Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. A reading by the poet Marge Piercy, To Be of Use. The people I love best jump into work head first without dallying in the shallows, and swim off with sure strokes, almost out of sight. They seem to become natives of that element, the black, sleek heads of seals bouncing like half-submerged balls. I love people who harness themselves, an ox to a heavy cart, who pull like water buffalo with massive patience, who strain in the mud and the muck to move things forward, who do what has to be done again and again. I want to be with people who submerge in the task, who go into the fields to harvest and work in a row and pass the bags along, who stand in the line and haul in their places, who are not parlor generals and field deserters, but move in a common rhythm when the food must come in or the fire be put out. The work of the world is common as mud. Botched, it smears the hands, crumbles to dust. But the thing worth doing well done has a shape that satisfies, clean and evident. Greek amphoras for wine or oil, Hopi vases that held corn are put in museums, but you know they were made to be used. The pitcher cries for water to carry and a person for work that is real. We left the library. Our intention had been to enter the library and do our schoolwork. As we walked through the library doors, my friends and I talked excitedly about the articles tucked into our bags and the papers forming on the edge of our minds. Our whispered enthusiasm took us past the circulation desk, through the first floor reading room, and into the stairwell, where, through the westward-facing windows, the most amazing sunset accosted our studious aspirations. We turned around, lured by the color of the evening. We left the library. Outside, we gathered with other students to witness the turning of our world. We commented on the color and texture of the sky, breathed in the rapidly cooling air. Within this moment of deep appreciation, a poem 
by the 13th century Sufi poet Rumi came to mind. Today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Amen, I thought, and blessed be. Inevitably, though, the sun did set, those pinks darkened to purple, and the lights of the library stood out sharply against the descending darkness. And here we arrive at the heart of today's sermon. How do we return to work? After finding for a moment the beauty we love, how do we gather up our gratitude, turn around, and walk back into the library? How does the beauty we love become what we do? Love might not be the first emotion that you experience when you think about going back to work. Perhaps you are more familiar with the Sunday syndrome, that growing feeling of dread and anxiety as the work week looms before you. Whenever it is that your work week begins, be it a Monday morning or a Thursday evening, returning to work brings us back into that predictable pace of ordinary time. Memories of wondrous sunsets and leisurely breakfasts quickly fade away in the face of the expectations for all that needs to be done. How do we return to work may be a particularly pertinent question this first Sunday in 2011. We're coming out of the holiday season where many of us had had time off. We've had a break in our regular routine. Perhaps you've been able to rest, sleep in, catch up. Perhaps you've been even more busy than usual, traveling, being with friends and family, taking care of your children. Tomorrow is the first Monday of the new year, and this week our world will reopen for business as usual. Poet Marge Piercy, whose words we heard this morning, paints a different picture of work than that dread and anxiety of the Sunday syndrome. She writes, the people I love best jump into work head first. They swim off with sure strokes, almost out of sight. Reading Piercy's poem, To Be of Use, I want to go to work. I want to energetically swim off with sure strokes, enthusiastically submerge myself in the task. Her poem transforms the tasks of ordinary work into acts of extraordinary beauty. Piercy tells us that the thing worth doing well done has a shape that satisfies, clean and evident. I want to inhale this passion for doing, reach out and feel the shape of that job well done. But the truth is, that is not really my work ethic. 
I do not always swim with sure strokes or have the focus to submerge myself in the task. I do not think I am the subject of this poem. And yet her words call to me, as perhaps that pitcher calls for water to carry. I want to learn how to jump into work, appreciating the beauty of doing. A prolific and accomplished author of poetry and prose, Piercy is also a child of the Great Depression, a woman who pursued a career in writing in an era where that sort of ambition was just not happening. She spent years working an assortment of jobs as a secretary, a switchboard operator, a clerk, a painter's model. Her poetry works within a feminist frame. She writes about the challenge of being true to oneself, even in a world that is hostile to who you are and what you want from life. I imagine that she has resisted the constraints of these monotonous tasks and has likely resented working poor paying jobs for which she was overqualified. And yet, in to be of use, Piercy finds a sense of love and satisfaction in the act of doing. She writes, I love people who harness themselves, an ox to a heavy cart, who pull like water buffalo with massive patience, who strain in the mud and the muck to move things forward, who do what has to be done again and again. I want to learn how to take up the tasks of life, energized by rhythms of poetry, able to see the way forward through the mud and the muck. Born in Detroit and having lived in Paris, Chicago, Boston, and New York, two years before writing to be of use, Marge Piercy moved to Cape Cod and took up gardening. She engaged this new and muddy task of growing food with her own hands and found that this daily routine provided grounding to a life of politics and art. Seeing herself as part of this living landscape, her writing begins to change, mixing in images of beauty and blessing alongside a continuing message for political and social struggle. She grows fruits and vegetables, herbs and flowers, appreciating how these different daily routines help sustain her in her work as a political writer. For Marge Piercy, bringing a new pattern of doing into her life helps her gain clarity about the work she has already committed to. Leaving the study to immerse her hands in the feel of soil helps her return to the study to take up her work of writing. How do we return to work after experiencing the sacred? How do we let the beauty we love become what we do? Returning to work necessitates that we sometimes leave work in order to notice the sacred. 
Sometimes we must let our attention be drawn down into the soil and up and out to the horizons. Rhythms of work need to be partnered with rhythms of rest, reflection, rejuvenation. In learning to notice and appreciate the beauty we find in times of reflection, our senses are awakened. After leaving the library to notice the sunset, we are more able to return to our work, more able to feel that satisfied shape of a job well done. Reflecting on this relationship between work and rest, I am reminded of the Jewish and Christian traditions for keeping Sabbath. Traditions where communities put aside the work of ordinary time and for one day each week indulge in different patterns of doing, patterns of rest and renewal. Ralph Waldo Emerson, a transcendentalist writer from our own Unitarian history, noted three uses for the Christian Sabbath in 1831. Rest for the body, diversion for the mind, and education for the soul. He describes Sunday as the university of human souls. The soul, he says, never needs rest. It requires no other refreshment than change of thought. For Emerson, Sabbath invites a time to focus our attention in new directions, saving us as individuals and a society from the insane devotion to a single object or activity. Emerson understands that the focus of our minds can itself be a form of worship. He writes, a person will worship something, have no doubt about that. That which dominates our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship, for what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Emerson uh, was never known for holding back his opinions on where we could improve ourselves. And times of rest and reflection can change the focus of our thoughts by changing the rhythms of our actions. When we take down that musical instrument, as Rumi calls us to do, we let the beauty we love become what we do, become the action of our time. We let that beauty change us. We learn to worship what we love. Jewish scholar and theologian Abraham Joshua Heschel describes the Sabbath as a palace in time, a day for the sake of life. In the Jewish tradition, the beginning of Shabbat, the Sabbath, is marked just before sunset on Friday night with the lighting of candles, the sharing of food and blessing, song and prayer with family. With these rituals, the senses are awakened to the beauty of being. Heschel views the Sabbath as an atmosphere in which we are able to transcend the demands of civilization and know the presence of the sacred. 
Heschel describes the Sabbath as a day of delight for the soul and the body, a day of love and joy where we can appreciate and praise God's ongoing creativity in the world. I want to celebrate this kind of Sabbath. He writes, the work on weekdays and the rest on the seventh day are correlated. The Sabbath is the inspirer, the other days, the inspired. The close of the Jewish Sabbath on Saturday night is marked by Havdalah, a beautiful ritual that helps one carry this inspiring energy of extraordinary time into the activities of ordinary time. This is a sorrowful ceremony, mourning the ending of sacred time. And yet it is also a hopeful ceremony, looking forward to the ways in which the delight of the Sabbath will serve as an inspiration in the whole week to come until we return again to the nourishment of Sabbath. During Havdalah, a series of sensory rituals draw one's attention to this transition from sacred to the ordinary. A braided candle with many wicks is lighted to recognize that the unity of God, which is experienced on Sabbath, will now be more complicated when intertwined with secular life and ordinary time. A cup of wine is shared, allowing for a final appreciative taste of the joy of the Sabbath. And a decorative box full of aromatic spices is passed around. Time is taken for each person to smell the sweetness of clove and cinnamon, so that the wonder and delight of the Sabbath will linger on the senses in the day to come. Havdalah means separation. And indeed, these rituals mark the reality that the work week has arrived. These rituals also highlight the relationship between sacred time and ordinary time. In order to rest, we need to work. In order to work, we need to rest. In order to move in this rhythm, we need to notice it. As one contemporary Havdalah prayer reads, blessed are the differences that make up the whole. My spiritual companions, we stand at the brink of a new year a new season of work. This is a time that invites reflection. Our thoughts and imagination turn to the possibilities before us, reveling in the ways that this new year will be different. We have the opportunity to let go. And we also have the opportunity to remember. May we take up the work of the new year that calls to us. And as we do, may we notice the sweetness of the sacred that lingers. May we honor the ways in which rhythms of rest and renewal have held our attention and enlivened our imagination. 
May we enter the library with the colors of the sunset illuminating the work before us. May we appreciate our love for work well done. May we return to these extraordinarily ordinary tasks of our regular lives with our senses awakened by moments of wonder. In our work, may we transform the ordinary into the extraordinary. May we bring beauty to what we do.